Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. So three Sundays ago, um, I asked our church to do three things over the next three months. And some of you remember that. Some of you maybe weren't here, but I asked you guys to consider, and I said, I don't ask you to do a lot, but I'm going to start asking a little more. But I said, read the Bible, pray, and ask for more of the Spirit. Those are the three things I said. And I hope that you guys are doing it. I hope that God has been moving in your life. I hope that you've been able to get into our Bible reading plan. These things right here, if you don't know what that is, we've been reading through the Bible, uh, reading through the Gospels specifically. And these little books are out there to help you do that. Grab one before you leave. We're just reading through the Gospels. And the other day, I was having a conversation, we were having a conversation. I actually heard Meredith just talk about, Meredith Kemp talking about how God had been working through her life through reading God's Word. I said, hey, tell me more about that. And so she ended up writing, writing a little bit how God's moving in her life. And I just want to read it to you because it's so good. This is what she wrote. She said, for me, the daily reading plan has been a small spark that has ignited a much bigger flame in my heart. When it comes to my appreciation and understanding of the relevance of Scripture, she said, if I'm honest, many times I treat the Bible as something good, yet less relevant to my life than a conversation with my friends or the newest book. I had to get real with myself and ask, do I really want more of the Spirit? And if I do, I realized my attitude towards reading the Bible needed to change. And I'm so glad that I pressed into this. Reading a physical Bible has also changed the game for me. The additional references and added commentary have already pulled stories of Jesus together and helped me apply it to my own life. I don't know if I actually grasped how human Jesus was until now, how so perfectly he modeled for us how to walk in the Spirit and call on the Lord for help. Since reading the Scripture daily, my prayer life has also changed. Prayer has never come so easy to me. I, f- I felt like my prayers before were, all, were, were almost empty. Thank you, God, for this food, my health, my, my friends, pray for my grandma, and so on. I, I, I've recognized, it is, what I've recognized is that as we meditate and read God's word, it becomes our prayers. Now I pray things like, create in me a pure heart, renew a steadfast spirit within me, restore the joy of your salvation in me, God, and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit to trust and follow you follow you. Give me a heart for the lost so that you can use me to tell others of the goodness that I have tasted and seen. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in Oklahoma City as it is in heaven. Through these prayers and these readings, I've just noticed a difference in my attitude, the way I speak to people, the way I react to different situations. Maybe, just maybe, this is what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. Jesus, give me more. Mm, So good, right? It's awesome. I love it. 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 So read the Bible, friends. Read the Bible. So as we explore and as we teach about Jesus and we read about the encounters of Jesus, we believe Jesus actually changes everything about everything. We believe it. We've seen it. We're seeing it in testimonies. I would encourage you to share what God's doing in your life through the Bible reading. Share it with us. We want to know the other I just believe, I just believe that God has so many other things he wants to do in you, and it starts with reading his word and prayer. So we'll jump into some thoughts today. The other day, Christy was uh, talking with our son, Grayson, and I know it will be hard to believe, but he said something funny. Um, But it was also profound. He said, you know, when I grow up, I either want to be a mailman, a pastor, or one of those people 
in animal costumes at games that goes, ah, you know what I mean? Which I loved, right? And so it's funny because it's funny, it's profound because here he is at a young age and he's already thinking about, he's already thinking about the work that he's gonna do someday. He's, he's already thinking about what is the, what is the significant thing? What is the, what is the thing that I'm gonna contribute to this world in some way, some form, some fashion? What is the work that he would do someday? He's already thinking about it. When I told him, I said, well, as he's weighing his options between, you know, between delivering mail or being a pastor or, or, or being a mascot, I said, well, you know, you know, mailmen, they have to deliver in the rain, sleet, or snow. You know what I mean? Like, it's cold outside, you just deliver mail. He goes, well, then I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I said, okay, well, so now it's known the pastor or mascot, which, uh, if you know my Grayson stories, it would be the pastor of Praise God Community Church, I think, and, or a mascot. And uh, those two strangely have a similar sort of function, the more I think about it. Um, one, you know, one rallies crowds to raise their voices and applause for a unified purpose involving ridiculous methods to get people, people's attention to get them to participate. The other one wears a costume and goes to sports games, right? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. We are almost auto-tuned at this young age. We are auto-tuned at this young age to, con to consider how we're going to contribute to this world. What lasting impact will we make? What is going to be our purpose? What is it that we are going to do? And so we always ask ourselves, oh, what do I want to be when I grow up? And here is my kid, not even provoked, but in his own heart, starting to consider these things. And he's starting to wonder about these things. Who am I becoming? What is the important work I will do in my life? And I think that that is there's something inside of us that, yes, that that's true. There's like this innate sense of we got to have a, a purpose and a destiny. But in our rest, westernized, if you will, uh, upbringings, we've confused what work is for what our destiny is. We've, we've confused the two. We believe our careers define who we are and what we do and our identity, and they speak more to who we are, and we have to find our passion and live in it as a job and a career. If the scriptures speak over and over again about the greatest work we do often will not be any type of career that we choose. Even me, right, a person who's apparently been called to something and now has, has an employment in something that seems to be, oh, yeah, that's what God has called them to do, the greatest you know, the greatest work of his job is, his, is, is, of course, his ministry call and all that. So if you, thought, if you think about what I'm employed to do, right, I'm employed as a pastor. Therefore, I'm supposed to preach and teach normally. I'm supposed to lead and administer the church and its functions and its ministries. I'm supposed to come up with some, you know, compelling vision to motivate a group of people to go and bring the gospel to a city. Like, these are all the things. This is the work I'm supposed to do. But if I'm being really honest... Although those things are very important, they are not the greatest work that I do in life. The greatest work I do is the work, is the work of things like prayer and work of the Spirit in my life. Like I'm convinced, I'm becoming more and more convinced that it's not, although all the things we do in life and the things that we put our hand to the plow to matter, there's a type of work that really is where we discover our destiny. I think it's the thing that we all are born thinking about, but we haven't quite put words to it, and the world tries to dictate, if you will, what that, word looks, what that work will look like. So about a month ago, I introduced you to a few types of work that I believe are especially important for our church in these days, and I talked about how we've dug maybe in some of these cases, some of our people or our church or you personally, you've dug like 1,200 feet 
but it's like, nah, yeah, but you got to go 200 feet more. Do you remember that? We talked about that. And these are the things we talked about. We talked about a few different types of work. The work of prayer, the work of the spirit, the work of, the work of the church, the work of joy, and then again, the work of prayer, because everything begins and ends with prayer, right? And so we said, how, how, what if we talk about these kinds of work? And here's the thing I know is talking about work in this day and age is not a popular or trendy thing to do when it comes to the church and faith. Because here's the thing, everybody wants to make faith more comfortable and easier on us. We don't want to tax people's lives with more things to think about or do. And so we try to placate to people and their, and their needs by making churches that are more about you and your comfort and you and your entertainment if you will, and you and your pleasure than we do about engaging together in the work that Jesus called to. Because I know for a fact, I know for a fact that Jesus did a lot of work for us. Right? Amen? Jesus did a lot of work for us, and the Bible never, ever said that faith in Jesus would be easy. The Bible actually says something quite different. It says that there'll be trials of many kinds. It also says that we will have to change everything about everything in order to follow Jesus obediently and successfully. That we would actually not have an easy journey in sharing the love of God with a world that often wants to reject that message. Such a good message. How in the world does the world not want to, want to hear it? So we're always up against it, aren't we? So I have a hope to speak to these thoughts that I've talked about, I feel like, a few times, and I'm hoping that even as I talk about them again, this is not from the school of redundancy school. You know what I'm saying? Yes, three people, thank you. I want to lean in, and I want to go a little deeper. Imagine us going deeper into these ideas, these thoughts. Everyone say the word deeper. Everyone say the word deeper. There you go. Ever notice how in the Gospels it seems to be a lot about getting people to have a deeper type of faith? That it's constantly about calling people deeper. Jesus said, I want you to have the faith to believe. Jesus was always trying to get people to not only have the faith to believe, but the faith to believe that he can do anything, that God can do anything. He would go on and on even about saying things, hey, you, in your time, you'll even do greater things than I did in my time. And we're like, how are we supposed to have the faith to believe that? How are we supposed to have the faith to believe that that's true? And he's saying, yeah, I want you to have faith. I want you to have faith. The stories of Jesus are almost like this rhythm, this song that keeps playing, in which followers of Jesus are supposed to increase their faith, to raise the water level, if you will, to go a little deeper, to fill a little in over their head, to trust God with everything, and to believe all the things that Jesus says that are possible with him. So here's the thing about this rhythm or this song that's been playing is I feel like Jesus followers over the year, maybe you and me, maybe followers in general, churchgoers, whatever you want to say, we've, we've taken these incremental baby steps, if you will, for more of Jesus and more of the spirit in our life. And eventually, though, we get to a place where like, this feels good. I think I've arrived at my comfort place of what I believe in my faith. And so we find ourselves feeling like we've kind of got a grasp on our faith. 
I want you to imagine like one of those zero-entry pools. You know those pools that start here and they just get a little deeper like that? And you enter in, right? And, and some people, then they walk in, you know, they like, get ankle deep, then you get the knee deep, then you get the waist deep, then you get the chest deep. And, and here's the thing, if you've ever been, and, and so for a lot of us, it's like maybe we get to a place and we just feel like we can stop. I don't know if you've ever been to a resort, but a resort, the pool is where it's at. You know what I'm saying? The pool is like pool life is the good life. And so the pool life is happening, and it's always awkward when you see the adult that's hanging out in the kitty, like ankle-deep pool area. You're like, oh, okay. So we don't want to be those people, right? We don't want to be the people that are not figuring out how to go a little deeper. But here's the thing. A lot of us, here's this idea that we get to a place, and, and, and here's the thing about resort pools. They are constructed for your comfort and for your pleasure. And so they get you to a little over waist deep to where you can just sit back, drink the pina coladas if that's what you want to do, and just soak in the goodness of life with your family and friends hanging around going, isn't this nice? You know what I'm talking about? You get in and it's like, oh, the water is warm here. You know what I mean? This feel, the water feels good. And you stop. You know what I'm talking about? Are you guys with me today? Are you with me? Because here's what's happening in the church is so many people are getting to about waist deep or chest deep and we're feeling like we've figured out faith and we're not willing to go deeper. And God is calling us deeper. He's calling you deeper. He's calling me deeper. He's calling all of us deeper. And the reason he's doing that is many believers have settled into the faith and somehow they've not realized the fact that Jesus is constantly calling us to shed our doubts and our self-reliance. He wants you to shed the doubts you still have and the self-reliance you still live in. Do you understand that? Like the things that you continue to doubt about God, he wants you to shed that. He wants you to shed the things that are self-reliance. And here's the thing about doubt is I actually believe doubt is a part of a journey. I don't have a problem with doubt, but I do have a problem with doubt. Everybody says I got doubt. I'm like, I totally get it. I have doubts too, but I don't want any doubts. I want to believe. And that's what Jesus was constantly calling his people to do because he knows that in the deeper waters, that's where wonder and awe and the supernatural power of God are unleashed. And he's like, I, wanna, I want you to see that. I want you to experience that. He wants us to shed our doubts, shed our self-reliance, quit depending on ourselves. There's a study done by the Barner Research Group that was, you're going to hear me talk about this a lot over the, time, over, over the next number of months because the study was called Reviving Evangelism. And for a church nerd like me, that is like, oh, I'm into that. <laughs> I want to hear about more about reviving evangelism. Tell me more. <laughs> and so, gosh, okay. I'm having fun. I want you to have fun too, all right? And so we are putting, we are, what we're essentially doing is we are putting our faith in ourselves. So the problem is called, it's called the problem of overconfidence. It's called the problem of overconfidence. We have an overconfident view of ourselves. And this is the question. It's one of those agree, somewhat agree, strongly agree, you know, those type of things. And it says, whatever is, this is the question they presented. Whatever is right for your life or works best for you is how, is the only truth you can know. This is kind of an age-old question that seems been going on the last 20 years or so, but it keeps ever increasing the percentages. All adults, 57% of American adults believe that to be true. That whatever is best for you is the best truth you can find. Millennials, of course, the growing largest generation of our, in our culture and really stepping into the leadership of our culture, 74% believe that to be true. And only, of course, 41%, thankfully, of practicing Christians, but even that is extremely high of practicing Christians that believe that to be true. We have an increasing number of adults that believe whatever works best for you or for me is the best way to live. 
This makes me think of Proverbs 3, by the way. Can I just read this? Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, overconfidence. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. You see, so many people want to put God in the box if he's trying to control me and he's trying to put rules on me, but God is actually about your health. He's actually about your nourishment. Jesus wants to increase our faith. He doesn't want us to increase our own beliefs that we've got it figured out. He wants to call you deeper to where you're relenting yourself, you're shedding your doubts and your self-reliance, and you're trusting in him with all of your heart. Doubt is a part of the journey. I get it. We've all been there. We're all wrestling. But Jesus was constantly leading his disciples through doubt, wasn't he? Constantly. They're like, oh, no, the storm. And he's like, I got you. Don't worry. Gosh, these guys. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, no, no, no. You know, they're always like, where's the bread? (laughs) I got bread. And did you see the 5,000? I mean, he's just constantly like correcting them. And then he's like, there's even the infamous moment, right, where Peter is like, Jesus, if that's you, call me out of the boat. And he's like, all right, come on, Peter. Peter gets out of the boat. He's like, oh, my gosh, I'm walking on water. And then what happens? He begins to sink. And what does Jesus say? Why did you doubt Why'd you doubt? Come on, Peter. You're like, but Peter stepped out of the boat. No one else did. Yes. But Jesus is calling him deeper. He's like, you don't have to doubt. You don't have to. Jesus is calling deeper. Jesus is calling you deeper. And I just want you to know, deeper does not mean more religious, because I know there's some people in the room that are so worried about looking religious. It does not mean more churchy, because there's so many people that are worried about looking churchy. It does not mean more removed from the world or more conservative or more weird or whatever negative thing or negative labor the world has put on people who want to love the Lord Jesus all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm so tired of us being more fearful of the labels that the world wants to put on people who love Jesus more than we want to love Jesus. Deeper means, yes, more like Jesus. Deeper means trusting God and leaning not on your own understanding. Deeper means clarity about who you are and the identity that we can find in Christ and that our destiny is actually found in him and not in our careers. Deeper means most supremely more love. More love for God and more love for for people. Deeper means more prayer, more spirit, more church, and more joy. So last month, we talked about the work of prayer. Um, and And so... Anyway, I'm not going to talk about that today. You can go listen to the message. Go listen to it. It's really worth your time. And then we talked about the work of the Spirit, uh, I think three weeks ago, and it was, again, worth listening to. Go listen to it. But today I want to touch on the work of the church and the work of joy for a few minutes because if you're knee-deep or you're, let's get waist-deep. If you're waist-deep, let's get chest-deep. If you're chest-deep, let's get in over our head. That's where we're going, all right? The work of prayer and the work of the Spirit lead us to the work of the church. It's just the way it's going to be. You're not going to pray and ask for more of the Spirit without landing going, oh my gosh, God has called us to something together. It was Jesus himself who commissioned the church. You know that. Jesus created the church. You're like, oh, I thought God created the church. Well, you know, Jesus and God, kind of the same thing. So Jesus commissioned the church. He created it. He created the idea of a body of believers, a group of followers committed to following him 
and joining him in his mission. You know that for years, for centuries, people have given their lives for this. They have, they have, they have sweated together, bled together, and some have died together for this cause that we call the church. And you're like, well, it is the cause of Jesus that he collects his church to go and do. And that's why we say around here so often that we don't go to church, but rather we are the church. And it sounds so like, ah, oh, simple and cliche, a lot of places say it, but it's like, no, we really have to believe that because we can fall so easily into the practice that we go to church and we don't really embody the heart of what the church means throughout the rest of our lives. And I gleefully tell the story that we are legally, as a church body, I won't get into it too deep, but we are legally, as a church body, we are in a building, meaning we have a separate entity that bought this building for the purpose of loving our neighbors, and OKC Community Church is legally, with the state of Oklahoma, just a group of people who happen to occasionally meet in this building. And I love it. I love it. Because it's a reminder to me every day that God is reminding us that we are not an action, I mean an activity or a place or a building, but we're a people. If you don't know that story, by the way, it's a good one. You should come to next step. Jesus commissioned the church for himself. Here's what he says in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. So Christ himself, Christ himself, who? Jesus himself gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So Christ himself actually called people. It's a gift. He calls people to do something. And what does he call them to do? To equip his people for, say it with me, works. So we are doing work. Oh my goodness. Works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. I'm telling you, the body of Christ needs to be built up in this day. It does. It's got to be built up. Until we all reach unity. Anybody want unity? Yes. Please, Lord. Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And we become mature. Anybody want maturity? Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Anybody want the fullness of Christ? Yes. Jesus wants us to be equipped to do his work. And when we do his work, he gives us his full measure. Oh, gosh, that's good stuff. So what, is this? what does this mean? What does this mean for our church? And what does this mean for our time? And what are we saying? We're going deeper, all this sort of stuff. What is this? Are we supposed to, as a church body right now, pay attention in a specific way? Is there something he's calling us to collectively? I think it's fair to ask. That's why I asked it. I would say this. The work of our church right now in this time begins with a simple but unified posture. I could say a lot of things right now that are going to be very true when I say this, but the one that I feel led to say today, the posture is very simple. It's a posture of leaning in. And they're like, that's not that profound. <laughs> I get it. But here's what I know is that some, some in the church, maybe this church, but in all churches, some are leaning out with the slight most lean, by the way. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I'm here, but you don't have all of me. 
I'm just a little out. And so it's like I got, I got my foot in. I got, my, I got two feet in. I got, I got the Jesus thing. But, and it's like if we're playing hokey pokey, we got our left foot in or something. We're doing this thing with it. I don't know. But we're, we have pieces in, but we aren't all in. We're not leaning in. And you're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I mean, I'm saying I know this for a fact. I see people leaning out instead of leaning in. And you're like, okay, what are you, what are you saying? I'm saying people, have, people don't lean in for all sorts of reasons, and usually it starts with some fear. Their fear of commitment, for example. They're like, I, you know, I want to be all in, but I just can't do another thing in my life, and so I just kind of lean out. I'm here because I love Jesus, but I don't really want. And so you're like, well, just lean in. You're like, okay, I'll lean in. And you're like, but don't ask anything of me. And so there's a fear of like, if I lean in, I'm going to be committed. I'm going to be all in. I'm like, yeah, because then you're like, oh, you're leaning in. Well, I'm leaning in, so that must mean something, right? Like, let's lean in together. So let's, we're doing this, right? And, but the person that's leaning out, you're like, I don't really think they're all in. They're here, but they're not all in. Some people don't, they fear commitment. Some people fear relationship. They're like, oh, you don't understand. Like, I've, I've tried to do relationships, and they don't work anymore, and I don't, I don't know. They just get hurt, and, and there's, or they have church baggage, and like, I've been a part of churches, and they're just not authentic, or they're not genuine. You know how many people tell me, like, I'm still trying to, trying to figure out if I'm, like, okay with the church again. And I'm like, bro, if you're okay with Jesus, you're okay with the church. Like, here's the thing. There are people that are messed up and broken, but I know that Jesus is worth risking again in relationship. I know that Jesus is worth risking again in my baggage and letting it go and saying, I am for Jesus, therefore I'm for his church. So I'm leaning in to what he has. There are many people who love Jesus who for some reason live much of their Christian life on their own. They show up to church leaning out they go live out in the world and act like they're going to be faithful to Jesus that way. I've been, on a, I've been on a kick for about a month now. I've been watching like these uh, BBC Planet Earth shows. Anybody watch these? They're so good. So good. If you're just like, I'm not into any binge shows anymore, watch these because you can just watch one and then you can literally walk away. <laughs> you don't have to like be like, oh my gosh, what happened? I got to watch the next show. Anybody else ready for that break? Okay. Um, so anyway, I've been watching these Planet Earth and stuff like that. Well, I watched, I watched one recently. It's called, um, it, by the way, it's this, it's this guy, the, you know, David, David Ottenborough, you know what I mean? That guy, those shows, the guy's like, the zebra is the most majestic animal on the savannah or something like that. <clears throat> anyway, terrible British accent, but, uh, one of the series I've been watching lately is called The Hunt. Anybody seen The Hunt? Boom, The Hunt. The Hunt is like, it's about these, it's several shows about predators who actually go and eat other animals. It's called the circle of life. Get used to it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so this is what they do. They go, they, go, they go and eat other animals. And there's the premise that most of these animals, like lions and leopards and cheetahs and hyenas have, they go, when they go hunting for animals like wildebeest or antelope or even the majestic zebra, when they go do that, when they go do that, <clears throat> those kind of animals herd together. You understand? They herd together. And, they, and when they stay in the herd, the hunt, the chances of it being successful are very low because the herd works together. The herd protects one another. And so the whole goal of, a, of, of these predators is to hopefully get one of them to peel off and be by themselves. And when they get by themselves, the success of the hunt goes up exponentially. 
because now they have a prey by themselves. And now you're thinking, oh no, he's about to preach at me. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> First Peter 5, 8. <laughs> Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, a predator looking for someone to devour. There is nothing, friends, more vulnerable to the work of the enemy than the one of God's kids getting out on their own. I'm just telling you, don't be a casualty of fear, isolation, or leaning out. Don't be a casualty of that. Lean in. Get involved. You're like, what do you mean? How do I lean in? You know what it means to lean in. I'm just telling you. You're like, I, don't re I really don't. Fill out a card and we'll help you, okay? We'll help you lean in. You're like, I really don't know. Start serving. Start praying. Start worshiping differently, start doing whatever it is to say, I'm in, I'm in, I'm going all in, but not for the church, not for OKC community, but for Jesus, I'm in, I'm in. So lean in. For those of you who say, I am leaning in, I'm already in, Tim, you're like, I get it, I'm in. I'm like, awesome, well, just keep asking for more then. That's what I'm doing, I'm saying, all right, Lord, more, more. Let's keep growing deeper in unity and in faith. Jesus created the body to be working in unity. Ephesians 4, 16, a few verses after what I said a little while ago, it says this, from him, from who? From who? From who? Jesus. From Jesus, the whole body, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. That sounds a lot like unity. It grows, that sounds a lot like maturing, and builds itself up in love as each heart, say it with me now, does it? So we're working. All right, cool. So amidst all this good work that God is doing, I just want to keep saying, I just want to keep saying, this isn't a call to kind of come and join a work that is heavy or burdensome. We have enough of that kind of work in life. Would you agree? We have enough things that feel heavy and burdensome kind of work. That's not, that's not this kind of work. The, the work that we get to experience with the, with the God of all creation is one, is one that is actually results in an inexplicable, unexplainable type of joy. The work of prayer, the work of the Spirit, the work of the church, it actually leads us to the place where the work of joy is taking root in our heart. It just does. It does. It's one of those kingdom principles that you can't do anything about. It's gonna happen. Kingdom, uh, kingdom work is thrilling. Listen to this, Romans 14, 17 through 18. He says, God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach, for goodness sake. Meaning it's not a matter of just getting more for your pleasure. It's what God does with your life as he sets it right, puts it together, and completes it with joy. Your task is to single-mindedly serve Christ. Oh my gosh, we're talking about work again. We're supposed to single-mindedly serve Christ, and then guess what? Jesus is going to complete his work of joy in us. And I don't know, I just want that. I want joy. I've been thinking so much about like, I'm like discovering joy because here's what I've been good at in my life. I've been good at work and I've been bad at joy. I'm like, how do I do that? Well, I know this, Psalm 1611 says, in the Lord's presence is the fullness of his joy. So maybe I haven't been getting in his presence enough and I've just been focusing on work. Maybe I've been trying to produce something out of effort and sweat instead of out of prayer in the spirit but maybe there's some merging in there. All comes together. The joy of the Lord is found in his presence. 
as we seek the Lord in prayer, as we grow in the work of the Spirit, as we become body of Christ, to grow in the work of his church, it, it will be our joy. And I, I just don't want to be a church that's good at work and not good at joy because I believe God wants to release his joy in your life and release his joy in this church at a, at a measure that we've never experienced before. And I'm so excited. I'm feeling it, and I think some of you are feeling it, and I think it's just going to keep coming. And finally, I want to end with this last thing, um, and it's the work of prayer. <laughs> You're like, I thought you said you weren't talking about that. I know, I did, but everything begins and ends with prayer. So I got to talk about it again, the work of prayer. And I've been talking about it a lot. You talk about, you know, broken record, school of redundancy, school, all that kind of stuff. Like, I have been talking about prayer over and over again. So what else could we possibly say about prayer, right? Haven't we talked about prayer enough? Probably but I keep finding more to say about prayer. And the other day I was talking to a friend and I was just like, hey, how's prayer in your life? And she tells a story. She's like, oh, you know, I was like, how's prayer been working? She goes, well, you know, the other day I was, I was just thinking like, I really, I wanted to get a piano, but I couldn't get one. And so I just said, maybe I should just pray for a piano and then I can like worship and like write songs because I have a piano, but I needed God to just give me one. So I prayed for it. I'm like, oh gosh. And so she prays and she has another friend join her in prayer for this, piano and and then like a few days later someone comes up to her and says hey would you want our piano that we're gonna get rid of and we can just deliver it to your house um yes i'll take your piano right and i was thinking about this and i'm like oh yay praise god but i'm thinking but there's so many people that when you say that it's like what are you saying we just pray for things and god gives them to us and is, is that what this is yes and no he says to ask him seek him to knock at his door and I know that there are times that God is going to be like, you know, I love my children. Here's a little gift. And we're going to get pianos. <laughs> and I also know that there's times in my life where I've prayed for things and it just hadn't happened. And some of you are in that place right now. It's like, I'm praying for things and God is just giving me things. And then some of you are praying for things and God isn't giving them to you. And you're like, why does that happen? Ask, seek, knock. We get to ask him. But eventually when he doesn't just give it to us when we ask, we're like, oh, I got to seek him. And then sometimes we're seeking them, it's like still not happening. Then we get to knock persistently. There is stories in the Bible that talk about the persistency of prayer in which you contend for breakthrough. And you know what? In that process of breakthrough, you may never get what you ask for, but he will transform you and he will change your heart to actually reveal to you what you need. And so what I'm telling you is that no matter what, if he gives you or if he doesn't give you, the work of prayer works. Are you with me? The work of prayer works. I've seen it over and over again because Jesus works. We pray because Jesus prayed. We pray because Jesus told us to pray. Over and over again, the scriptures are just revealing to us that the inbreaking kingdom of God in this world, God's power and his presence is released through the vehicle of prayer. That is what we are reading over and over again in this story, is that God is using prayer. Listen to this quote from Pete Gregg. He says, I don't pray because I'm into prayer. I pray because I'm into Jesus, so we talk. I don't believe in the power of prayer, I believe in the power of Jesus, so I ask for his help a lot. That is why we are calling us to prayer, it's because we believe in Jesus, we are in to Jesus. We have faith in Jesus. We wanna go deeper with Jesus. We wanna dig harder and deeper for Jesus. That's why we pray. That's what we believe. The work of prayer is 100% about the work of Jesus. 
That's what it's about. It's about what Jesus wants to do. It's about lifting Jesus high. It's not about how long we pray, although we can pray long. It's not even about prayer rooms. But do you know what that prayer room is? That prayer room is just a rallying point, a rallying cry for the work of Jesus to be done in your life, for him to set free your destiny in your life. That's why it's there. We planted a flag in the ground on prayer because we planted a flag in the ground on the work of Jesus and me and you. That's what it's about. That's what we're doing. We aren't working because we believe in prayer. We're working because we believe in Jesus. So today, as we declare and ask the work of God to be done, whether it be the work of prayer, the work of spirit, the work of the church, the work of joy, or the work of prayer. It's have to remind us we don't have to strive for it. We don't have to like stress for it. We need to simply allow the good father to do the work that he wants to do. I was telling this story to a few people that we're praying with on Monday night. Sometimes when I'm getting Grayson ready for pre-K in the mornings, right? I, I do that pretty much every morning. And, and a lot of times when it's time to get ready, I say, hey, Grayson, it's time to get ready. He doesn't want to get ready. You know, he's playing toys, whatever. He's like, he's got other things on his mind. He's like, I don't want to do this. So I'll literally sometimes have to go and pick him up, take him to his room, put him down in front of me. He's like, ah, you know what I mean? And I'm like taking off the clothes, PJs, putting on the other clothes, fixing his hair, cleaning his glasses, getting his teeth brushed. Like, I do all the work, you know what I'm saying? And he just stands there rebellious in the process. But at the end of the day, he gets where he needs to get. And I'm telling you, there are gonna be times in your life when the, when the work that God wants done will get done regardless of you. And you're like, oh, that's good. Does that mean I don't have to do any work? God's just gonna do what he wants to do? And here's the confusing thing about this whole conversation that we're having right now is that there is a sovereignty piece of the sovereignty of God. He's gonna get done what he wants to get done. He will do it. But then there's all this other side going, hold on, hold on, what about all these things we're supposed to do? Is that what actually creates the change? And so then we strive and we effort and we try and make things happen and we try and create the breakthrough through our commitment to prayer and through our commitment to the spirit and through our commitment to the church. So which one is it? Do I work hard to see the breakthrough or does God just do the work? So I just stand over here and wait for him to do his work. And by the way, I actually have this conversation way more than you think. People go, oh, Tim, you know, you can't, you can't stress about this too much. I mean, God's going to do what he wants to do. What do you mean? So we just sit around and we wait on God to do what he wants to do? No, 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 I don't mean that. Well, what do you mean? Anybody with me on this? It can be confusing. So this language that we're using of digging deeper, going deeper, leaning in, please know that these are things in which our chil as children... We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Let me, let, me just, let me just give you a verse, and then I think this is really going to make some sense. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, he says, And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. That sounds a lot like, you know, some training, some prep, some work. We're about to go do some work. We're going to run. We're going to have endurance. It's going to take some effort, right? Right? We do, how, do we do, how do we do the effort? How do we do the work? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We keep digging. We keep pressing him with endurance. We keep leaning in by keeping our eyes on Jesus, by fixing our eyes on him. So sometimes I'm getting grace and ready in the morning, right? And I say, hey, buddy, it's time to get ready. And he's like, all right, cool, let's do it. You know, he's like, 
he comes in, he's, he's not fighting me. And he comes in, I'm like, all right, man, hey, put your shirt on. He puts his shirt on. We get ready. The whole time I'm leading him and I'm guiding him and I'm trying to, I'm like, yeah, let's just finish getting ready here, you know? And he's like, he's in. And the whole time, his eyes are fixed on the Father, me, right? He's watching me, he's listening to me, he's being guided by me. He's trusting me to finish the work that I've started. And by the time we're done, he's ready to go. And sometimes I let him do a little more than I probably should let him do. And he puts his shirt on backwards or he, you know, puts his dirty glasses on or he messes his hair. And I'm like, okay, let me help you out there a little bit. And I think what, I think what a lot of us need to understand about the work that God wants to do in us and through us is that there is going to be a partnership between the child and the father in which the child is looking with their eyes fixed on the father to say, I'm submitted to getting ready. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. And then I and the father, you and the father, the child and the father are doing the work together to get where we need to get. And I think some of you need to hear today, it's time to get ready. It's time to get ready. It's time to get ready because God wants to do something in you, around you, and through you that you haven't seen yet. And it's time for you to get ready to do whatever the Father is doing. You're like, well, how do I do it? How do I do it? You fix your eyes on Jesus. You fix your eyes on Jesus and you start doing the work with Jesus that he's calling you to do. That's what we do. That's how we lean in. That's what the season is about. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. Okay. I'm praying and praying that you're with me. I'm praying. God will be the one who gets the credit for the work, by the way. But he's asking his children to get ready. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray that as we are here this morning, I pray that, Lord, we would just submit to your spirit. Lord, we'd lean in. We'd lean in. Father, we pray your spirit to be poured out on this church. We pray that the work of Jesus is each and every one of ours greatest desire and purpose and destiny. God, you're so good. We just pray that, Lord, we leave in a way that says, I am more in than I've ever been in. I'm more into Jesus than I've ever been into Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Touch the hearts of every person in this room. Do what you want to do. We ask your presence to fill us with joy, to fill us with hope, to fill us with love. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.